0: Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shiur. This week, Shabbos, Pasha, V'eida. Vayera, as we know, begins with a Vov and an Aleph. We spoke many times. Vav and Aleph is Gematria 7, therefore saying that there are 7 Makas in this week's Parsha, next week's Parsha is Boi, Bez and Aleph would be 3, the final 3 Makas. Tonight is Chovdal Tevis, the yard site of the Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. Obviously that will be the mainstay topic of tonight's sub the Shir. Not to say that we want to minimise our makis, not to say we want to minimise the action sorry. The interaction between Pari, Moshe... Call you so. Just want to uh, mention an upcoming date. Not the following Wednesday, the Wednesday Mm -hmm. following that will be a special shir in honor Mm -hmm. of Yud Shvat. And um, Mm -hmm. someone is looking to lose their shins. Only caps, <coughs> and hopefully we will have a fabringen after this year. it <laughs> Share and share alike. Sharing is caring, etc. <laughs> the Bayemahu by Ye-Mahou, In chapter 5, verse 18 The Almighty talks about, Hashem talks about the ongoings in the land of Gershon Goetheon, as we know, is the land that was appropriated to the Jews. That is where the Jews lived throughout the entire Golos of Mitzrayim. They were given the land of Gratian by Paroi. Yosef was told to take his family, and his family can go down and live in Gratian. Although Gershon was a different zip code, Gershon was still definitely part of Egypt, part of Mitzrayim. So the question of course arises, the makis that came on Mitzrayim, the plagues on Egypt, did they affect Gershon or not? The Rishonim, Debate this. Minimum of the first three markers although it doesn't say, we have that I did this pella by the first three maquis, it only says it on the later. The Ezra writes, the first three, the blood, the plague of the frogs, and of the lice. It was both the Jews and the non-Jews. We find another region that atvaz. Vaz, And Shailas Chuvis Radvaz, he disputes this. And he asks If this was happening to the Jews as well, why would Pare think that he had to let the Jews leave? If it's happening exclusively, exclusively to Egyptians, then he sees he's being punished. It makes sense that he should try and consider and think of sending the Jews free. But if only the Egyptians, if, only, if the Egyptians and the Jews are receiving the punishment, then Paris says it's a general plague across the whole country. Why should I send the Jews out? <coughs> From the fact that Rashi explains the Pasuk of the Tera, and he explains whenever there's a difficulty in the Tata, and yet here Rashi does not say anything, then we have to go according to actual Dictate of the Pasuk. And the dictate being only Makis Arev where it says the was not in the land of Gershon. But the first three makkas were in the land of Gretchen as well, even according to Rashi. So much so that if an Egyptian and a Jew were in one house, and they had one tub of water, or one glass of water, the Egyptian would drink blood and the Jew would have water. Rashi does not bring this as an explanation of the Torah. Why therefore does Rashi not concern himself with the question of the Radvaz? The question, as we mentioned before, that how would they know that this was a makkah to the Egyptians, but the truth to be told, the first three makkas had to be on the Jews as well. First two Maka's were dealt the dam and the tzfardeya were dealt with the water, the air, the river. Now this river stretched through the entire Egypt. The idea here was that the Pari should know who God is. God says Ani Hashem and Pari says, Who is this Hashem? He should know who this Hashem is. However, because we see that the whole concept was to smite them with fear. If, however, the river would go until Galatian with blood, and then all of a sudden change to water. Mm-hmm. Pali turns on and says, Aha! The water, the, the punishment of God can only reach here. It can't reach that far down. It doesn't go all the way. And therefore, it's not real. I have nothing to fear. Again, bear in mind Pari knew a lot a lot of black magic, shall we say. Pari and his people dealt with a lot of other gods, as we might call them. Oh wow. Ah. And therefore, And therefore, it took a lot of convincing to convince Pare that there was a God. It took a lot of convincing to convince Pare that God was omnipotent and God really did control everything. So now, if there was any kind of way that it would throw a shadow of a doubt in Pare's eyes, Pare was ecstatic about that. And therefore, Parai had to be shown, had to be shown, had to be taught a lesson totally, and therefore we see the Dam had to reach to the entire Nilus, which was including Goishon. The Tzvardea, the frog itself, has a story of its own, but the Makas Kinnim was a maka, that, a plague that had to show that this was something, that it was the etzba, like him, it was the finger of God, and therefore, once again, needed to affect the entire Egypt because if it would only be on one part of Egypt again the magic magicians would think (laughs) that the kingdom could not come all over the fact that Moshe and Aaron were able to bring up only part of this kinim in one part of the world in one part of Egypt this was a proof that they were in boundaries and therefore there is no etzba they no finger of God involved therefore the first three makas needed to be also in the land of Gaishan. Me'eis Hashem Thereafter the three Makkas tells us the Teda V'heifleisi V'yayim as Eretz Gashin Ami Eimed Therefore this Makkas is not affected the Jewish nation. Amongst the many different Makkas One of the more intriguing mackas is the macka of (coughs) Shechin. The Khartoumim. These are the clowns that Pari relied upon were befuddled, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Why would the Shechin with the Shechin that they are Dafka the Shin, they could not stand in front of Moshe. The Skin had an interesting twist. <laughs> an interesting twist to it. The Skin was introduced. Unlike a staff, banging of a staff in the ground, or, or a large frog marching out of the denial, and everybody beating it and having more frogs come out of it, whether it be wild animals, whether it be the barod, each makka had its own novelty. What did you do? Maybe you shouldn't be holding. <laughs> <laughs> <up> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makashkin, in turn. Masha. And Aaron were told to take a handful of ashes, the hotter the better. It wasn't enough, one handful. It was Moshe's handful and Aaron's handful. What is going on? Moshe actually took two handfuls. And he had to take with all his might and throw it. And this was supposed to reach over the entire Egypt. There's little Moshe, standing with a handful of ashes, and he's tossing it, and this is going to reach the entire Egypt. Apella. But it looked like, ultimately, that the actual plague was taking place through the actions of a man. What is going on? on the other hand it was clear to everyone that it was not only this Maka of Shechin they threw these actual ashes when they weren't hot anymore they were cooled off ashes and naturally according to nature <laughs> it wouldn't have spread all over Egypt this, therefore, is something the Khatumim could not understand. How did these people do something? A natural. Hello. Hello. Leave it go. Leave go. Leave go. You really. You footed the whole thing here. Okay, here we are. Thank you. Shalom. That's what we have a technician. Okay. For this, the Khatumim could not stand up. They, did not find, they couldn't find the hands and feet. They didn't know which way they were going, which way they were coming. They figured, when God does a miracle, performs a miracle, the miracle comes from heaven. For a miracle to come through a physical human being's hand, this is not something they can understand. And therefore, at this point with the Shechin, they... They gave up. There are different forms different things that we come up with during through the course of the Marcus. Uh. but more so, we meet, We have the meeting of Aaron and Moshe and Pari. Now, Torah tells us that there was in the last few Parshas, actually last week and this week, a lot of questions came up, and a lot of proof had to be brought to it. We know that last week Moshe came to the snare and the Almighty spoke to him at the burning bush. But when the Almighty told him to do something he had some kind of uh, you know uh, so one of the things the famous, famous Proof, the Almighty puts to Moshe. Take, what are you holding in your hand, he asks him. He has a staff. He says, take it and throw it on the ground. Moshe throws his staff on the ground and it turns into a serpent. This wasn't just a regular serpent, this was a snake that scared the living daylights out of Moshe. And the Almighty's solution: grab it by the tail, and it turned back into the st- staff. Then we enter to this week's parsha, and again, Moshe and Aaron standing in front of party and it says. That Pare throws down his staff and all the Egyptian Khartoum throw down theirs. Is that working? All right. Throw down theirs. And Aaron changes back to a staff. And his staff eats the other staffs. So, you know, this in itself is a miracle of its own. How it didn't eat as a serpent, it ate as a staff. Fine. We have something else here, difference. When it came to the splitting of the Red Sea, Kriya Shamsuf, we saw a miracle. What miracles we see? There was a tremendously strong wind blowing, <clears throat> and it split the waters. And as it split the waters, the waters stayed that way split because this wind was blowing the entire night. Had the wind ceased for a moment, the waters, re- retu- revert, return, revert. The nature of water is to flow. Flow is always down. You don't see a river flowing uphill unless you're in a dream, and then you have a uh, different... Opinions of what you have to do if you have such a dream. (laughs) So the water caused this miracle on a constant basis to stay separated. When Moshe spoke to Hashem, there was another proof and another miracle that the Almighty performs. Besides just the staff, it was also the Maisa with his hand. He had to put his hand into his shirt, and he came out, it was totally tzadah, it was totally with a leprosy. But in a natural way. It had a rash all over it. After he put it back in again, he took it out, the Almighty told him to take it out again, it was gone. This miracle of constantly keeping his hand clean is not, a, is not something that happens every day. We have our hands. The natural hand doesn't have leprosy on it. Baruch Hashem. So this miracle of, that was performed to take away the leprosy is not something that has to be on a constant basis or the other way around vice versa it was something that was done on the spur of the moment and was taken away the same way it came this is therefore the difference perhaps of the two staffs when Moshe Rabbeinu's staff turned back into a staff and the way Ahrens does. As we said that in Moshe Rabbeinu's case, when it turned into a staff, the reason it turned into a staff was not to perform a miracle, but it turned into a staff to teach him a lesson of talking Lashon Hara. If a person talks, God forbid Lashon they are endangering themselves by snakes. And therefore he wanted to show Moshe Dafka the snake to show him the Lashon Hara he spoke against the Jews. And therefore the snake turns back into a staff entirely. When? When Hashem says, grab it by its tail. By a commandment of God, it wasn't just the command of God... Caused the caused Moshe to be able to make the stick revert the snake revert back to a snake but now Pasha it doesn't happen. It was not a mission that the staff was on a mission to god forbid teach somebody a lesson like you taught Moshe. it was just to show a proof just to show a test in front of Pari. So the snake didn't have any special mission. And that's why the snake doesn't swallow up the other snakes. Because it wasn't the mission of a snake, it wasn't the purpose of having a snake that therefore had to happen here. It was rather only the proof that something changes its nature. The nature of a staff changes into a snake. But it was not the snake, Dafka. And the, so much so that the snake itself had no potency, no power, that it didn't even swallow up the other snakes or the other staffs, but rather only as a staff did it do it to show another nestpotation. that's a miracle, another, another miracle. Sometimes, we start a mitzvah, and we flatline the middle. We don't get around to finishing it. Hey, buddy, oh, <coughs> we learn from our Pasha many different things. But I think, personally, and that <laughs> I don't want to sound awkward on this, my makkeh The plague that I look at that I find the most profound with lessons is Svardeya. The frogs outshone all the other ones. The water turned into blood. First of all, it remained a liquid. Um, Second of all, it Still was able to flow, and most of all, people drank even the blood. They had no choice; they dehydrated entirely otherwise. And for the Jews, it didn't water when they had to drink it. And so, go to the other each and every one of the makas, each in its own right, its own miracle, its own greatness let us examine first the Maka of Tzvadeh. The Maka of the frogs. The pasuk does not tell us the frogs attacked Egypt. The Torah tells us Vatal HaTzvadeh, the singular frog, rose up. And we've, in the past, Spend time describing my favorite scenario of extra large frog, super frog, marching down Main Street, Egypt. And Rashi tells, it because the Bechamish knows that there's a, a plague, and the Tzvadeh, one of the places, dormant Tzvadeh. So Tzvardeya meant frogs. There were frogs everywhere. Which is something we're going to get to. So the Benchamash the Mikra asks a question. Vatal haTzvardeya, The single frog went up. Where are the rest of them? Rashi therefore says to Benchamash Mikra, don't worry Tatla, I'll tell you what happened. Tzvardeya achas heisa. There was only one Svadea. And it was marching down Main Street. Now, when they saw this big Godzilla of a frog marching down Main Street, they all came running with sticks. And they're gonna beat it back into the water. Says Rashiva They were beating it. Vihim is Nakhilim it started to spew. It was shooting out frogs. Every time they hit it, it opened its mouth, and hundreds of thousands of frogs came flying out. So in essence, Aaron only brought up a frog. A singular frog. The rest came from the Egyptians. And this is something we learned a tremendous lesson. Chazal tell us be mitzvah emrim the person that starts with a mitzvah must finish the mitzvah we learn later next in a few weeks from now with Pashas Pishalach Meishir Rabbeinu takes the bones of Yosef but Meishir Rabbeinu does not take them to the final burial, burial place and therefore later when the credit is given For the burial of Jesus' bones, it's not given to Moshe. Although Moshe took him out of Egypt. But he was not Messiah in the Mitzvah. He did not finish it. They say you could start a Mitzvah don't worry about finishing it. No, you must finish it. Therefore it says, that's what we see here. But don't worry about finishing it. If a person has a a doubt if he's going to finish it, the person must try in every which way possible to finish it. Especially when it comes, for example, Mitzvah Tzedakah. Or good mitzvahs. But the opposite, when it comes to punishment, it's not good, says the tater to be the one to fulfill it to take it to the umpteenth level if a person knows that what he did he set into motion and the rest will take care of itself die, enough don't go after that, don't go any further allow the punishment to finish on its own and therefore, Aaron does not bring the frogs. And there's a Yeshlema that says he was Yetzel, what he had to do with that single frog that he sent out. Because that ultimate frog was the one that brought about all the rest of the frogs. And it was not necessary for Aaron to bring all the other frogs because that would just be finishing a punishment. And when it comes to punishment, it's sufficient to start the ball rolling and allow nature to take its course. For a person to continue and to continue to make sure the person is punished to the umpteenth level, that's not considered for completing a mitzvah. That's not where we have to complete a mitzvah. The Tzvadehah We're on a mission. Now, Aaron had his mission to bring the Tzvadeh about, but the Tzvadeh had a mission of their own. The mission of the Tzvadeh was to disturb and disrupt and to rock the boats of the Egyptians. And that they did. Tell a person, I want you to get into every possible facet of, a, of this guy's head until you rock his boat to the pieces person will go here they go there, they'll make this noise, make that noise <clears throat> but if it gets too painful and too uncomfortable he draws his light that's not what happened here though here the tzvadehah knew that they're amphibious, and they need to be in water. They need to be in dampness. They don't get along with heat. But they were told that there should be no nuke and cranny in Egypt that you don't cover. And therefore... Oh, you don't like frogs? <laughs> and therefore they made sure to go in every nook and cranny including the ovens an Egyptian was now take her out the Egyptians had no escape from these frogs these frogs made their lives miserable These frogs made the Egyptians' lives so miserable that they had nowhere to escape from them. They had no way of escaping from them. Wherever the Egyptians went, they opened an oven, they opened a cabinet, they went to bed. Frogs were there. A full week of this. This didn't go on for a few hours. This is a very powerful lesson that the frogs teach us. A very powerful lesson of how one has to get when it comes to doing a mitzvah. But the mitzvah itself was being done by the frogs and didn't need a person to do it for them. Khovdal Tevis is the Altarebiz outside. This year is 202 years. that the Al-Tarebbe brought into the world the Al-Tarebbe the Rebbe explains his name was Shneur Shneur is an acronym of Shneur, two lights the two lights that the al brought into the world, the world of light of Nigla the Tera of Yishulchanarach of Chasidus the Tera, Nista the Tera of the Sefer Atanya Illuminated the world in a way that nobody could ever figure or do. <laughs> Dal Rebbe gave out, also in different countries, there was Birkas how the brachas that one makes, and there was a special Kuntras for Talmud Teta, Hilkas Talmud Thera, for the study of Tera. different quips or quotes from the Al-Terebbe is no mitzvah that is greater than Talmud Tehra Talmud Teira encompasses every single mitzvah it's equal and encompasses every mitzvah why? because Talmud may be the The only way a person can do is if they know what they're doing. And therefore by learning the person has the capacity to do. And learning itself is a mitzvah. Even if it doesn't bring the person to Misa. Even if it doesn't get the person to actually fulfill it. But the fact that they're studying it it will ultimately have a, a mitzvah in its own, which is that is considered a Mesa. It's impossible to be Makai all the mitzvahs according to Halacha. All their conditions, all their punctuations, unless you learn it over and over and are clear in your mind. Therefore, Talmud is shakul kineged <speaking> kolamitzis <in> says the <Hebrew> alt is shulchanal ha-chilchus perik dalit perigdalid But Teira is not something that just needs to be absorbed in your mind. The midas, the attributes of love and fear they're Branches and their offsprings obviously come about with the Maisa mitzvahs. But speaking words of teda is equal to all these other things, all these other mitzvahs that a person does. That's the fourth Pelik of Tanya. In a Fabregen, in Shabbos parshas Noach, Tovshin Memhei. The Rebbe spoke: There are two ways of service. A person serves God. The The service that a person does the simple world, worldly daily things, keeping mitzvahs physically. Maasecho. Your things that are in your property, that are your path. But he does everything, the Shemayim. So much so, even the Ayu, his thoughts, also the Shem But the Aveda of Lima the second thing, excuse me, is the Aveda of Lima And through this Aveda, the person causes in the world automatically a change. Ooh, the taira is a balabos on the mitzias and this is a psak din and teda, that it makes it shinui in the world itself. The badditcher, the vischa said, when I was young. I thought I would change the world. I got a little older. So let me change my country. I got a little older. So let me change my city. Got even older. I said, let me at least change my family. But finally I realized. I need to change myself first. And when I change myself, I realize I can change my family. And my family, in turn, learned how to change my city. And my city, in turn, got involved in changing the country. And my country's improved state managed to control the entire world. Levi Yitzchak was very very profound in that statement telling us where we need to start, where we need to finish when it comes to service of Hashem. Tonight we said it's Chavdal Tavis 202 years of the Altarebis passage. Chassidus in its own right teaches us about the neshama, the value of the passing of a neshama, the simcha that we have when a yard site comes around. The mission of the neshama in this world is to be completed to the best of a person's capabilities. when the person completes their cycle finishes their life on this world hopefully the person has achieved what they needed to achieve in this world a tzaddik we know in fact achieved what they needed to achieve the Alterebe it is a known fact that Rebbe had a Nishama Khadasha, a new soul. And therefore his Nishama Khadasha being brought from the loftiest sources. From the loftiest sources, Surely accomplished its mission on this world, fulfilled what it needed to, and therefore, it is a simcha gedeila. It is a hilula on the day of his yahrzeit. The day of his we celebrate, knowing that this year, this. this the outside he gets higher and higher 202 is Gematria in it's of him we are standing we all stand strong to the level of Neged Helam one of our main concerns in today's generation is the hellam the Hester. Everything is hidden. Everything has become darkened. The world is dark. A darkness has descended upon the world. And thereby causing turmoil. Thank you. 202 is Gematria also neged Helim. Against this deceit, against this hiddenness, against this light, this blocking of light. He's fine. He's doing much better that way. So when we come now to 202 years of the Illah, we need to discuss a little bit about the Ilula and to discuss amongst ourselves or within ourselves, what are we going to do as a commitment not a resolution, because resolutions have different connotations. And people usually think resolutions are something made to be broken. But rather a commitment to something that we're going to do from henceforth on Havdala Tevis. The Altarebbe was 68 years old when he passed away. 68, since we're doing numbers, we all know 68 is Gematria Chaim. And we know, V'yatem adveikim Bashemele kechem. You are, says the Jew the Jewish to the Jews, attached to me. Chaim kulchem Hayyim. And all of you need to live up to the concept of Chaim. As Dalteleba passed away, Chaim Shona. He was 68 years of age. Just to mention, we didn't mention the beginning of this year. It's the schus Eliza okay. Shlomis Bas Rachel hinde for the full Shlema and the schus of the al should stand in her stead and should pray on her behalf that she should be a healthy mother, wife, and raise the children and take to hate their chuppah. Today, unfortunately, two people passed away. One was the chief rabbi of Krakabad, Rav Mautra Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. And one was a a little lower profile yet high profile person, Rav Meheranis. Meheranis was an interesting fellow, a character here in the community. who in his own way had a tremendous way of spreading Chassidus. He arranged for Tanya Shirim in every different New in Yeshivas, not Lubavitch Yeshivas. We saw to it that transportation was taken care of and that the program kept on and on. This is not from today, not from last week, but for probably over forty years he's doing this. As long as I can remember. <gasps> yeah, mm-hmm. he's sleeping. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, the mayor used to. Put together these funds for this program, and he did so for many, many years. It should be a good to better for all of us. But Ramad Khashkinazi was a man, a very, very powerful man, Ish a person that was very, very well versed in Halakha and in very Chsiddish Yid. May this carry on for us all, and we should all be Zecha to the ultimate. Navuh a prophecy of Hakit Sur Anu Sheikh Nyafaim Sekam. Ya in his last year years actually as devoted as he was throughout, throughout the years to Avicisral and to love of a fellow Jew and to see how to help a fellow Jew. Al had a stronger mission. which he had to take on in his last years, and that was the fighting against Napoleon Bonaparte. The Altarebbe knew that if Napoleon would win, it would be financially better for the Jews, it would be more comfortable for the Jews, but way too comfortable for the Jews. And so much so, that the Jews would go astray. Jews sometimes need to be kept into their ghetto. When a Jew thinks out of the box, sometimes they go too far out of the box. As long as the Jew is reminded that on Friday afternoon you can go to your super-kosher supermarket, and God forbid the anti-Semitism of the world could come shopping for you instead of for the items in the store, And how the Almighty placed this man who came for a challah. The store was closing, they were closing the gates, and he was banging on the door, please, I need a challah. And they let it, and finally the terrorists had let him in and they killed him. But all those people that have experienced (coughs) on a Friday afternoon seeing the Lubavitcher boys running around putting on film with people everywhere, you would wonder, in a busy area like this, where the supermarket was, <clears throat> people shop for Shabbos, doesn't necessarily make them shame of Shabbos. And people who shop for Shabbos, unfortunately, don't necessarily put on film every day. So it would behoove, Chabad, to have a boy, a man, somebody standing outside the supermarket, or in the supermarket, putting on tvil with people. How could this be that we didn't hear any story, we heard about a son of a shliach, one of son was killed inside the store. But where was the boy putting on tvil with people? Where was that person? And I will tell you where he was. <laughs> in case you're looking at one of your where's Waldo pictures. We wear two pairs of children in Chabad. We were Rashi and Rabbeinu the whole world wears only Rashi. There are the Chesidim or other people that put on Rabbeinu Tam as well later on in their lives. But we put on from B'mitzvah, from two months before the B'mitzvah, both Rashi and Rabbeinu Tams. So we have it side by side in the tefillin bag. This boy was running out to go to to come to the supermarket to put on tefillin people. He grabbed his tefillin and he ran to the supermarket. The distance from Yeshiva it's not local by the time he got there he realized he didn't take his Rashi he took his Rabenetams and you can't put on Rabenetam on people because once you put it on you have to continue wearing it you have to continue putting it on every day you have to put on Rashi every day as well but Rabenetam is different and therefore he went back to Yeshiva and didn't make it back on time for Shabbos and he realized he couldn't come back and was not there so Rabbi Natan saved his life. Oh, yeah. I actually text a friend of mine who lives in Toronto now, a French fellow, who told me that his sister had just finished shopping and had gone down into the train and heard the Balagan. Anyway, back to the regular schedule. The Altarebbe therefore understood That as long as the Jews are not being reminded, and now actually in France, the campaign is, besides the uh, other Mishigasana that's going on, they're telling Jews, wear your yarmulke. Wear your yarmulke. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be skeptical. Wear your yarmulke. There are many people that don't either don't wear the yarmulkes, they wear caps, they wear this. Wear your yarmulke show that we are solid. The solidarity of the Jewish people. The Altareba therefore fought this tooth and nail, and we had to run for his life from Napoleon. And in his running, there's many, many different stories that took place as his journeys away from Napoleon. When he left, actually, the Adigo, he left the first time from the city, he left the three wagons, family and everybody. And suddenly he realized, after about an hour or so of travel, that he forgot, that he wanted to check the house. So he went back, his wagon went back. And he came to the house and they found a rolling pin, an old pair of slippers and a sifter, which they took. And as they left the house, the Rebbe asked to have the house set on fire. Napoleon apparently was some kind of a uh, sorcerer. And the Altarebbe was concerned if he have anything that belonged to the Altarebbe, he would do some kind of magic against him. So therefore the Altarebbe made sure that everything was gone. And Napoleon actually, when he came into the town, asked if anybody had anything that belonged to the Rebbe, And everybody, of course... According to the instructions, the Alt-Rebbe said no. Out of disgust, and anger, he burned down the shul, which was adjoining the alt house, but the alt already told him before had also to empty out the shul. Because he knew that would be the uh, repercussions. Ultimately, the Alt-Rebbe traveled and when Napoleon was basically being fought back out of Moscow, which he already conquered, being fought out of it, and he was on a retreat, the Alt-Rebbe came to a city called Piena. Although he wanted to get to Poltova, he wanted to get to a more Jewish region. He was in Piena and he fell ill. And that's where he passed away on Havdal of Tevis. He fell ill on the 8th of Tevis. And ultimately passed on the twenty fourth. Expression he used before he died. Davis Whoever holds on to my doorpost, I will take him I will take care of him in this world and in the world to come. And this is of course referring to learning of Sadit Samat Sadek, learning of the status Should it be Shakanarach or Tanya or both. And this is the ultimate lesson that the Alter Rebbe had, which is that through a nefesh, physical devotion and dedication of his own life, the Alter Rebbe saw to it that to spread Torah, and to see to it that any Jew, no matter what walk of life he comes from, if he needs help, should be helped. And therefore, since the Alter Rebbe was so adamant to help fellow Jews, we ask the Al Rebbe tonight, to help the generation that we are in today, help us out of this golos, so that we can spend this Shabbos together with the Altar Rebbe, Shabbat Shalom to all.